Good afternoon and welcome to this week's edition of Health Suites. This week we're going to be talking about headaches and migraines. Headaches or migraines are quite common but there's more that we need to know about them before brushing it off as just another occurrence. Here's Dr. Yasmin binti Idujian, a neurology consultant at the National Neuroscience Institute. Welcome to the show Dr. Yasmin. Thank you for having me here Catherine. You're most welcome. Okay, there are many people who use the words migraine and headache quite interchangeably but I believe that's wrong. So doctor, tell us what the difference between the two is. Okay. So a headache is actually a symptom where you actually have discomfort or pain in areas of the head, so above the neck. A migraine, in comparison, is actually a diagnosis of a type of recurrent headache disorder. So a migraine is a diagnosis of a particular disorder, while a headache is a symptom. Okay, so many of us suffer from headaches. Tell us, Dr. Yasmin, what are some of the main causes of headaches? Okay, so there are many different types of headaches. So very broadly, we actually divide them into two types. One is the dangerous type and one is the more common but benign type. So the, the, the benign types are actually much more common. So about 80 to 90% of people actually have them. But 10% of headaches are actually what we call secondary headaches. And these are because of underlying problems such as infection, inflammation, tumours, strokes, etc. Okay, are there different types? You said there are two different types of headache, but are there other types of headaches? Yeah. So basically, once you have a diagnosis of a secondary headache, doctors need to run tests to find out what the underlying cause is, and the treatment is directed towards that cause. But fortunately, most patients have what we call a primary headache, for which there is no underlying clear cause found. And fortunately, most patients actually have them. There are many different types of headaches in that category, and we can go through them later on uh, with regards to the symptoms and its presentation complaints, etc. Okay, I know. I noticed that when I'm in the sun, for longer periods than usual especially, I tend to get a headache. Are those headaches really caused by the weather condition? So there are two big groups of primary headache disorders. The most common one is called tension headaches. So tension headaches are caused by um, a lot of factors. So it could be because of um, poor sleep, um, poor stress, working too hard. Um, Sometimes um, when you're dehydrated or when you miss your meals, you can get um, tension headaches. And these headaches usually present in a way such that the, the whole head actually feels very heavy, very tight. Um, there's a lot of uh, tension around the, the whole head. It feels like a t- rubber band is actually pressed around your head. But fortunately, most of these headaches actually don't last very long. And when they do come, they usually resolve very well with over-the-counter medications. Okay. Also, I've heard from one of my colleagues who have actually asked me to ask you this question. Um, her headaches sometimes start behind the eyes, but it moves to the base of the neck. What, what are the differences between those two headaches? Right. So this headache is a slightly different kind of headache. Um, it sounds very much like what we call a migraine. So migraines are a type of headache disorders that usually starts off on one side of the head, can be from the front of the head or the back of the head, and they typically spread to the whole side or as well as both sides of the head. And usually with migraines, you get other symptoms as well. So a lot of times these patients will have um, you know, very bad nausea. They feel like vomiting. They may be very sensitive to um, light or sounds or smells. And a lot of times these headaches tend to be more intense, more severe than the regular tension headaches. Okay, what homeopathic remedies are there for alleviating headaches? So there are many homeopathic remedies. A lot of our patients like to take them because they are safe. Um, the effectiveness it varies from person to person. But simple things such as, you know, simple massage, lying down in a dark, quiet room, um, away from triggers of those particular headaches, for instance, bright lights, um, loud noises, um, having a rest, lying down, um, typically sleeping them off usually helps. So when it comes to my colleague and her constant headaches that travels, is it a cause for concern? 
So if she's had these kinds of headaches for a long time, and if they've remained the same over many months to years, most of the times they are, they are benign headaches, and migraine is one of the causes for those benign headaches. However, you know, if she feels that the headaches are changing in the sense that they are becoming more frequent, more intense, her symptoms are debilitating, it's affecting her function, that's definitely a cause for worry. Most people self-medicate, but when it comes to taking painkillers on a regular basis, is that dangerous? Or when does it get dangerous? Right. So there are many ways to actually treat um, headaches. Um, in two big groups, there are the analgesics, which are the painkillers. So these are typically taken as uh, on, on an, needed, on, on an um, as per needed basis, meaning that if you have the pain, you take them. If you feel fine, you don't take them. So that's okay if you have it infrequently. But in general, if you need to take painkillers on a regular basis, meaning every day or every other day, that's just too much because these painkillers are not meant to be taken in that manner. How frequent then can we take it? In general, we do not recommend taking regular painkillers more than two to three days in a week. So if you need something that's actually more frequent than that, then you should speak to your doctors about alternative medications. Which brings me to my next question. Is a headache enough to warrant a visit to the doctor? Most headaches, fortunately, are benign. But uh, as previously mentioned before, if you have a change in your regular pattern of headache, if you are overusing or taking more than necessary um, the required analgesics, or if you're functionally very debilitated by your symptoms, those are definitely a cause for concern and you should speak to your doctors about them. What your doctors will typically do is take a history. They'll get to know more about your headaches, its impact on your life, on your function. They'll do a physical exam and then they will come up with a a list of recommendations on what to do next. Okay, so now let's go back to migraines and there's something I've always wanted to know. Are migraines actually hereditary? So, um, unfortunately, a lot of times there is this genetic basis behind migraines. But um, aside from genes, meaning family history present, uh, I mean family members uh, with migraine present in your family, um, a lot of lifestyle factors also play a part. And unfortunately, we live in a you know, in a city where there's a lot of stress and uh, a lot of people are working very hard. Not and little sleep. <laughs> and not taking good care of themselves. So these are also, you know, associated triggers for migraines. Okay. Um, what other triggers are there for migraines? So other common triggers would be um, um, certain foods. So certain foods such as um, those containing MSG or some patients actually complain that too much salt or garlic actually triggers headaches. Um, other things would be um, weather-related, such as change in humidity, change in temperature, extreme heat, um, dehydration, missing meals. For ladies, having their periods can be a trigger for migraines as well. What is the link between MSG-type foods and migraines? What is the actual link between these foods that causes the migraines? So the thing about migraine is that even though it's so common, um, you know, about 10% of our population actually has it, no one really knows what the clear triggers for migraines are. So in general, a patient with migraine has a very sensitive brain. So they can be very sensitive to, you know, stimuli, whatever kind of stimuli. It could be diet, could be internal, could be external. So these are some of the factors that, well, for other patients may not actually cause them headaches, but to migraine patients, they actually get symptoms from them. So they have to be extra careful in that sense. Um, what is the relationship between physical fitness and migraine prevention? Physical fitness is a good a way to actually prevent a lot of uh, diseases, a lot of chronic diseases. Um, in general, it just keeps you physically healthy and active. Um, with regards to migraine prevention, it doesn't really help very much so. Um, we do advise our patients to do as much physical activities as they can and not let migraine restrict them. 
But in some situations, sometimes physical activities can worsen their headaches as well. Yeah, because I can imagine going to the gym with a migraine and trying to run on the treadmill. That's not going to happen. Right. So how do they, how do they, you know, put it aside to push themselves? Do they push themselves if they have a migraine or if it's too painful, do they just not do it for that day? Right. If it's too painful, of course, we tell them, you know, don't push yourself too hard. Um, so that actually, you know, is one of the reasons why you should also seek help. Because once something is so intense and so frequent, and it actually affects your function, you're unable to do physical activities, you're unable to actually get fit, you should de- definitely see a doctor to find out whether or not there's an underlying cause for your symptoms, as well as to seek appropriate um, treatment. Okay, so in general, to prevent headaches or migraines, um, are there some lifestyle changes that might help this, like with diet, exercise or meditation? Right. So there are many ways to actually try and um, reduce the frequency of headaches. Migraine in itself is a diagnosis. It's not something that's 100% curable. There may be periods in somebody's life where you get more frequent headaches, you know, when you're a bit more stressed, when you're a bit younger. And then subsequently, they may actually taper off over time and, or they may come back later in times of stress, um, you know, in times of like poor sleep, etc. So one of the ways we actually try and deal with these fluctuations is to actually start you on a regular form of medicine to try and keep those headaches away. So there are many different types of medicines for this. And the doctors will be able to advise you which type actually suits you. But in, in essence, other than not just taking medication, there are lifestyle changes that may need to be made as well. Right, yeah. okay. So for example, if you're in your 30s and you do get quite frequent headaches or, you know, in worst cases, migraines, can you only expect it to get worse once you get older? That's not necessary. Um, you know, with good treatment, actually, you can have pretty good control of your headache um, symptom. And more importantly, with good skills on how to cope with stress, proper sleep, um, you know, doing things like you mentioned, exercise, meditation. So these are some of the ways that actually our body learns to actually deal with the pain and being able to deal with the pain better and cope with the pain without relying too much on pain medicine is actually a good thing. So Dr. Yasmin, are there different types of symptoms we need to look out for when it comes to dangerous headaches? Right. In addition to the changes in your character of the headache that you've had before in the past, other signs that and symptoms that we usually look out for would be headaches associated with weakness, um, numbness, um, poor vision. If you have um, the worst headache of your life, for instance, you've never had headaches of such intensity before, or where the headaches actually cause significant intractable or very severe vomiting or, or headaches associated with seizures, which are typically fits or abnormal movements of the hands and legs. Um, at the same time, if you're someone who's never really had you know, major headaches before in the past and you started developing them when you're generally in the older age group, such as more than the age of 50, those are definitely signs that um, you need to actually seek your doctor's opinion as to whether or not they need to do further tests for your headaches. Okay, so then the best thing to do would be to track your headaches and to see whether you know, you've had these headaches quite frequently. So it's good to actually track your headaches, especially if you're someone who has got very frequent headaches. And the reason for tracking is that tracking allows you to, to determine if there are clear triggers for your headaches. At the same time, it actually establishes a pattern for your headache so that you can identify, you know, if there are certain periods in your life, certain periods, for example, you know, with uh, your menstruation in, in, a, in, a, in a young woman. Um, so that actually allows your doctor to actually, you know, have a visual idea of how intense and how frequent your headaches are and work together with you on a management plan for that. What sort of patterns should we be afraid of if we track our headaches? Um, there are no real worrisome costs, but if you find that the headaches in general over time is increasing in frequency, say you used to have them perhaps once or twice a month, and you notice over a period of two, three months, your headaches are increasing such that it's becoming you know, a, 
uh, a frequent occurrence of more than a couple of times a week and it's starting to affect your lifestyle, it's taking a toll on your health, then it's definitely a cause for concern. You should actually bring your chart to see the doctor and see whether or not the doctor feels that this should something is something that actually warrants up further um, evaluation. That has helped us so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Yasmin Binti Idujian, the consultant at New Consultant of Neurology at the National Neuroscience Institute. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much for having me here, Catherine.